We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kinda dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls and talk some D and D with the cave trolls. How's it going, buddy? It's going. Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you much better than all of the other times we've recorded in recent memory. <laughs> well, I turned up my volume before you asked me this time because I'm more awake this time. <laughs> I remembered. That's awesome. All right. Well, I'll just turn my my like headphones down, but not your input, and we should be good. Cause like yeah, like I had to edit your your stuff again this week when I was uh, getting everything. I was like, you're so quiet. God damn it. Um, and then I'm too loud, and yeah, you're always you're always a little sleepy on the mic, but I think there was additional factors last week. I don't think it was just you like whisper. You know what I mean? Like it's okay. Well, that's good. I'm yeah. usually pretty loud. That's why I'm hesitant to like because like I edit myself on Slovenly Troll, mm-hmm. so I'm just like I know how loud I can get, and I know I can blow out the mic if I'm not careful. It's just so a little I bit. I'm just <laughs> yeah, it's just a little bit different because like we don't use such a precise science for cave trolls because I record That's through OBS true. like a lot of other live shows do because it's just yeah. the weekly format. I don't have time to edit everybody separately and Valid. sync everything up. Yeah, Valid. and I, I've seen like and uh, I, I we're recording by the way, just so you know. So don't say your address <laughs> or your social security number, but. Uh, <laughs> Like you, like you normally start conversations, you know. <laughs> yeah, usually I'm like, "Hi, my name is Charday, and this is my social security number. In case you want to steal my identity, please steal my identity. I don't want to be me anymore." <laughs> I had a couple of uh, a couple of interesting comments on some of the newer platforms, which is really cool. I love seeing like people popping up on like on Good Pods and stuff. And yeah. and there were some people going, "Well, like the audio is a lot lower quality than Slowly Trolls." <laughs> <laughs> Just like, uh, we don't have time. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, time. it was really cool because I was gonna getting ready to go in there and comment, and like other people, other fans of Cave Trolls, which I didn't know we had, uh, they commented. Oh. They're like, well, it's just it's a lot shorter schedule turnaround for them. And I was like, oh my oh. god, I was like tearing up. I was like, so that was really cool. So Thanks thank you. And also, we just always have mic issues for some reason, too. So, like, <laughs> if one of us is really quiet or if Terry sounds just a little bit garbled, he's been having the most mic issues out of anybody uh, for, like, two months straight. so bad. And we're so sorry about it. But, like, there's literally nothing we can do until we get a new mic. Unless somebody, <laughs> wa- yeah, unless somebody wants to find my mic that was lost in transit and or... It was lost in transit? It was lost in transit. They can't find what? it. I'm working. Where the fuck did you order it from? Uh, I, I'm not gonna say the name. No, I'm not gonna say it out loud. But it's a pretty reputable place. Um, okay, sure. Uh, but I, the reason why I'm not gonna say it out loud exactly is because like I'm working through the issue and I don't want to complain again True. if they get but it if fixed good for me. Customer, if they have good customer service and exactly. like, they're trying to actually fix it, like it's totally like it could totally be a an awful error that just happened exactly and so far they're being very kind so like i don't want to throw one That's of the bus good. yet um but That's the other fair. issue is i have a lot of like heavy um like mic background noise like power input from my computer and if anybody uh, tech savvy yeah. enough like i can remove it like that's not a problem i can edit it out but if anyone knows sure. why i'm getting such a heavy thing it's probably the old mic honestly it probably is the issue it might just be the old mic and maybe just like get a get a five dollar dead cat and put it on there just <laughs> just to see if that helps it, that well, no no it's not that I, I i have done that like like i'll i'll say it's recording but not actually have any input going to it and it's still mm-hmm. there so it oh, is a power annoying. issue 
and it's probably it probably has to do with the mic but also it could be power sources with my computer it's a few years old now i built it um with some friends helping probably 2020 is when we rebuilt wow. this one because basically what happens is because i'm i'm the dad of our little friend group so they know i'm poor so what happens is they'll all upgrade their computers with their single family income, like the, the single guy income, and then they'll go and instead of selling these parts, let's give them to Terry and we'll help oh, them well, load nice, them on. Though. Oh, it's so nice! Like uh, shout out to our buddy Dave is on the Patreon. If you see him on there, he's one of my best friends in the world. What he'll do is again because he doesn't have any responsibilities, so he'll upgrade the <laughs> shit out of his computer and then he'll like just like schedule a meeting with me and come over and like upgrade my PC with his parts. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. so nice, though. I know, it's wonderful it's 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 great having good friends but it is sometimes sad they're like well terry definitely can't run this game we can't all play that together because i couldn't run it before and he's got my old parts yeah yeah that's valid <laughs> oh man uh so how's charday how are you doing i'm good i'm pretty good i woke up before my alarm today because i passed out super early last night because i think like we're getting a lot of um temperature dips and rises it was like 60 degrees yesterday i was like what the fuck yeah so my body reacts in weird ways to that sometimes i just get awful migraines sometimes i get sick and i guess this time i'm just really tired so i've been passing out at like midnight which is very early for me that's strange it's very strange. So I woke up at like 8.30 in the morning. Congratulations. Um, which is a normal person time. But yeah, I was, me, I was really like confused that you replied to me. Because normally I'm like, I'll send it out. And then when Char wakes up around like 9.30 before the show, she'll hit me up. And you replied at like 8 o'clock. I was like, well, that's not good. What like, the <laughs> fuck? Is she okay? Was she up vomiting? Uh, no. You were up not. so early that you were ready to record, though. <laughs> like, I was like, well, we can record yeah. early. And you're like, no, we cannot. <laughs> no, 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 no. I still need my coffee. Like, I can't. I'm one of those awful millennials that's just like, I can't function without my coffee. It is not a cliche for me. It is absolutely true. I don't think that that's unfair. Because I, I, I'm on three cups. I just recently upgraded from two cups to three cups, like minimal. Damn. Um, and I'm pretty much Push useless back. without coffee. Like I, <laughs> and that's that, we, that's we coffee. That doesn't include probably. exactly. That's not including like Coke Zero or tea in the afternoon. Sure. Like, I need to sometimes have a soda in the middle of the day because, like, for some reason, I do this weird thing where I don't like hot coffee past like 2 p.m. I don't understand why it's like my taste buds do a complete 180, and I have to have like soda or if I'm really tired, an energy drink or like a, a caffeinated tea. But not coffee. Not anymore. Just like your dating profile says, you're not like other girls. You're different. I'm not like Um, other girls. You're special. I'm like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. (laughs) (laughs) I say that like you have dating profiles. Uh... Yeah, right. I hate people too much for that. It's not gonna happen. I, I talk about it all the time. Like if I hadn't met my wife, I'd be under a mountain somewhere playing Magic the Gathering. Not that there's anything <laughs> wrong with living under mountains or playing Magic the Gathering, but I guarantee, like I know what my future was when I met her. <laughs> like, yeah, that that was the trajectory. I don't even play Magic the Gathering now, but I promise I would not have stopped if I hadn't met her. Because you wouldn't have had like any other responsibility. Yeah, you there would have been no reason. Spent all the money that wizards wanted you to spend on. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I'd still be doing it too. 
Like I'd be and I like back then too. I'd be like, man, this this set sucks. I'm gonna buy three boxes worth. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of, before we get into like maybe what we're gonna actually be talking about this entire episode, just this, we're just gonna talk about, about Magic the Gathering cards and our our potential <laughs> futures. I was gonna ask, how is Siri? Because you asked, how is our day? Well, how Aww. is Siri doing? Oh, that's so sweet. I'm rough. <laughs> oh, <buddy. laughs> Sorry. It's just it's always the case. That's just that's my sweet spot. But uh, I've been doing the worst the worst thing ever. You know, if you've ever been in sales or in creative, I've been cold pitching things, and it's just the worst feeling ever. It's like, hey, do you want to buy this yeah. thing that you didn't ask for, please? Mm-hmm. Um, so I can eat, and uh, it's it's more <laughs> fun. Like uh, basically, the, how it works as like an indie comic person is you spend a lot of your own money creating pitches and proposals. Um, yeah. And that is like commissioning art and stories and working with creative partners. Sometimes not so much out of pocket because you both agree to ownership stuff, but working on mm-hmm. these big, huge projects and doing like a small chunk of them. And then once they come to fruition, you then uh, go to publishing companies, go, hey, do you want this? Do you want, you want, you want to help me sell this? Do you like it? Hey, you want to buy, you want to buy a sundial? <laughs> and... <laughs> Exactly, and there you do that, and oh, there's a lot of no's, obviously, because there's a lot of people yeah. trying to create things. There's only so much money to go around, and you just kind of wait. <laughs> um, and you put a lot of time and money into them, and you just gotta wait until someone says yes. And that's where I'm at right now. It's kind of yeah. a cyclical thing. You do that. Somebody buys something. Submissions aren't open in some places. Some places it's like you know a person, so you can schedule pitches and things like that. Mm-hmm. And this time around, I didn't have any like quote-unquote connections or anything so it's mm-hmm. just cold submitting to these bigger companies and so now it's like a waiting game and and then i gotta do it again next month and <laughs> so it's more just like kind of a, dis- a depressing say i'm not writing i'm trying to convince people yeah. to read stuff i already well, wrote i mean that's it's part of the process right like you're not actively maybe creating a new story but you're trying to get your story out there which is just as taxing and like depleting as regular writing i would say it's three times as much i i mean i writing is hard i don't want to make it sound like it's super easy but it's fun and (laughs) you know what i mean like you know creating stuff is inherently a good time Uh, even when it's hard it's better than you know like a good day fishing is better than a bad or a bad day fishing is better than a good day at the office kind of thing uh, but when it comes to the pitches, I'm like, nothing about this is fun. <laughs> I guess it's it's kind of uplifting when people say yes sometimes. That's a good feeling. <laughs> but up yeah, until then, it's rough. serotonin. Exactly. So that's where I'm at, man. So I'm happy to be recording a podcast. And uh, just so to get it out there for the people, this is the Cape Joel's podcast. Normally what we talk about is TTRPG news. And this week, we're not doing so much of that. This week, we're going to do another one of our GM specials with Lissa out traveling the world i think she's on the moon this week i'm not quite sure um yeah she bought a new spacesuit <laughs> she's just she's <laughs> over there jet setting um so we're gonna be talking about all things gm and i have some unsolicited gm advice for you this week and we're talking about improv specifically Whoa. um the the secret third pillar to gming uh if anyone knows the first pillar it's snacks um and, and you can decide what your second pillar is but the third pillar is improv <laughs> um Charday is my lovely co-host this week. One half of the Slavenly Trolls, the better half of the Slavenly Trolls, like I said, yeah, out you know surfing space. Um, I don't know how she does it. Probably on the surfboard that the Silver Surfer uses. That's how I imagine most people travel space. A hundred percent. I'm definitely coordinated enough to surf. <laughs> no, 100%. I was talking about Lissa, who's on the moon right now. 
She's the better half of the Slavonic Trolls. Yeah. Uh, Lissa is not the best host, though. Better host? It's fine. I'm the best best host. Yes. Yes. You are the best host. I'm the best half half of the Slavonic Trolls. (laughs) That's why I'm not on the show. I'd make you look bad. I mean that's that's not hard to do. To be <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So let's get started. So my big question that I want to talk about this week is the thing that I get asked about the most when it comes to first time GMing or just people mm-hmm. new to the game is what happens when you go off script because <laughs> you're like you're, you're you know you're looking at these modules or you're planning you know you, everyone always talks about planning the session and I love that TikTok trend where it's like level one is like worrying and preparing for for your first session level two is like preparing for weeks and creating worlds and then three is like oh they didn't know i didn't have anything planned and four is like i've never planned anything ever again uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so like i get asked about it a lot so like did you plan this is a big question that happens after the session like did you know yeah, that was sure. gonna happen um so let's talk about when you don't know that's gonna happen <laughs> when it goes off book when your players go left instead of right like you have planned what do you do uh-huh. some tips on that uh uh what are your go-tos stuff like that so i'll, I'll give you the floor Shar. uh just speak about your improv a little bit uh i just really it, it happens what's a good percentage 65 to 70 percent of the time in any (laughs) given session sometimes it's a little less and the players actually do what i think they're gonna do which is lovely and so nice and makes me feel nice because i have stuff prepped but most of the time even and sometimes i get a little cocky i'm like okay this this solution that i have is so simple not necessarily like in a puzzle way like i i don't really use a whole lot of puzzles sometimes but like in a situation, I'm like, oh, well, obviously, I'll, I'll use an example. So, what was it, two, three weeks ago, I created this parody dungeon in my game, and I had it underneath a brothel. So, it was a sex dungeon. Of course. What other kinds are there? Exactly. All dungeons are sex dungeons if you're not a coward. Oh. And... <laughs> I was going to say, if you're doing it right. <laughs> but sure, <Exactly>. yeah. <laughs> uh. And so, the whole, the whole premise of, the, like, why this dungeon was is like maybe some people go into a brothel and they want to feel like an adventurer and like role play so they created this dungeon to like uh do all the dungeon delving things but not actually like hurt somebody like if you uh trigger a trap you're gonna get sprayed with this is r-rated by the way if you (laughs) trigger a trap you're gonna get sprayed with like lube or glitter lube Lube doesn't have to be r-rated people use lube for all sorts of things that are unrelated to sex Totally. I had to lube my yo-yo earlier today, and that's not a euphemism. <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah, okay, sure. Those Maybe gears will grind otherwise. You know, it's important. That Good is, maintenance. You should lube, lube your door guys. handles. You should... If you learn anything from this episode, lube is important. <laughs> lube is important for many different parts of your life, not just in the bedroom. Yeah. And so my players were going through this sex dungeon, and they got to the end where there was, they were supposed to be getting this um, piece of clothing that was uh, a holy relic that had fallen into the wrong hands. This seems antithetical to a sex dungeon. Exactly. That's why I did it, because I thought it was funny. (laughs) And so it fell into the hands of the sex worker, and so they were going to go through this dungeon. They pretended like they had signed up for, like, the exclusive package, pun intended. And then went through this dungeon, got to the end, and then they ran into the sex worker. 
And instead of like, because they have a bard in the party who has uh, expertise in persuasion. So I thought, oh, okay, the bard is probably going to persuade this sa- this lovely sax worker and PC that I have to just give them the corset, which it ended up being a corset. It's actually a shape-shifting thing, like a shape-shifting item, but I had to be a corset in this instance. Sure. And uh, they didn't do that. In fact, they did something so R-rated that we ha- it, it almost crossed my lines and veils, which is very difficult to do in, in like, a sexual way because I am usually pretty open. Like, I'm pretty fade to black, but I'm just like, hey, if you want to roll sex dice, like, that's totally fine. You got to put that I'm on your profile. I feel that. like you'd be doing way better. Like, why isn't that? <laughs> <laughs> I am down for sex dice. Um, and they were just like, do you want us to describe, like, what we do to get the corset off? And I'm just like, you know, I can use my imagination. <laughs> Welcome to my world, Chart. I want you to know. I don't think I push it that far. Like, they were very in detail. Like, one of them was going to uh, perform some sort of foreplay on the sex worker, while one of them, which which was a shy person, like, she plays a shy character, was covering their eyes, and the (laughs) other one was reading out loud a page from some, like, uh, erotic novel that they had picked up. And that was what they were reenacting. And then while the sex worker was distracted, they stole the corset and ran out of the dungeon. They, they went, like, like full-on, is... like, meta Fifty Shades of Grey. They're, like, reading they Fifty really Shades of Grey did. while doing Fifty Shades of Grey. I, I did not see that coming. I should have because I set up for it because I did a sex dungeon. I yeah, that's, that's on better. you, kind of, you know. I should have known better, but I really thought, okay, like, haha, this was a funny, like, little sex dungeon with lube traps. Now you're going to get down to the persuasion stuff that I know one of you is really good at. Absolutely not. See, like, no. I, you don't find a lot of sex dungeons in my world because that's not a thing that I'm prepared to handle, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought I was pretty prepared to handle, but then they started getting into specifics of what they were doing. I'm like, okay, we're going to fade to black now. <laughs> or I think one of the. One of the uh, players was just like, uh, how in-depth do you want us to go? Like, are you comfortable? I'm like, no, we're going to fade to black. I'm good. Like, I don't need to know <laughs> specifically what you guys are doing. I just need to know that you're doing it to get the corset off the sex worker. You persuaded them to not think this is weird. <laughs> and you're good. Have sure. you... And, like, I had to just roll with those punches because that's what they wanted to do. I didn't want to, like, take their – because it was an idea that could work, theoretically. Yeah. So, like, I didn't want to take that away from them, so I just rolled with it, and I did not expect that at all. And that happens, not specific situations like that, but situations, like, adjacent to that happen 70% of the time, where I think one of the players is going to lean on one of their skills that they're really good at, or they're going to do something they've done before, and I'm really good. Oh, I I got their patterns down. We've been playing for, like, six months. I know what they're going to do. Absolutely not. (laughs) um they always surprise you (laughs) well you definitely like they they leaned into your idea which is always cool when it comes to it yeah they're enjoying the thing that you set up have you ever seen the the community episode with D, the D &D episode of that i have so like that those are my favorite episodes right when um allison breeze character goes into (laughs) extreme detail and they have to like fade out the audio yeah. Um, that's what and I was thinking of. Exactly. And... How many fingers, etc. <laughs> like that's yep. that, that's what that's like a big fear of mine. I tell you what, that's why I ought to fade to black. I'm like, listen, you rolled, you succeeded, 
you can have your like whatever your your head cannon that happened there is canon, but I'm just yeah. gonna be unaware of it. You know, like that's sure, it. you do not have to tell me. <laughs> but like it, it, it can happen. We don't need to go into detail. But like, but that's a, such a really good example. Like you said, like you're not prepared, but you're like, hey, I'm gonna reward them for enjoying my idea, and we're all gonna mm. feel good about this. That's a great way to to start out when it comes to the improv. I often get torn when it comes to it because. If they go with the plan that I've set up, like you're at my table a lot, if you really dig the part that I've set up and you're into it, that's really good. But if things start to go exactly as I planned, I start to feel really guilty. Like I social engineered you into yeah. it. <laughs> like I predicted like you. Hear the term- Rare railroading, and that's right. like a bad thing to do as a as a GM. And even if it's not railroading in the part where, like, I said you have to go left and not you can't go right, but when you choose to go left, and I figured you would go left, so the thing that happens in there is exactly the thing that I predicted you would do. And then I was like, well, Shar is definitely going to try to romance this NPC, and then you do, and I'm like, okay, am I convincing my friends to do the thing that's telling my story, or mm-hmm. did I set it up really well? for them to have fun and yeah. if, it, if i can't distinguish that i tend to just throw my own improv in there just to get you sure. off the path so i don't feel bad like i i wrote a story <laughs> and made you guys play it you know yeah yeah like you're like we're all your little puppets right and as someone who in the past was very good at social engineering <laughs> like it's something I, I try to be cognizant of because that's not what D is you know you're not there to experience my story we're there to tell a story together so that's something I try to do. But when it comes to improv for me, um, I would say similar things. 60 to 70% of the time, it goes nowhere close to plan. Um, and that's when I started preparing a lot less. I think that comes with, with time. Mm-hmm. Um, but just being open to the improv and knowing your world. So, like, uh, Brennan Lee Mulligan and everybody from the Worlds Beyond podcast were talking about it recently. And I'm, I'm gonna, always going to throw out these those awesome uh, GMs. But one thing that they mentioned, I think it was Brennan specifically, was that for your players, the world is everything they see. So everything else can be held together with duct tape and bubble gum. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. as long as it's convincing right there, that's all that matters. So your improv doesn't have to be, oh, I created this whole new content or uh, continent, you know, for them to to go to. It can just be as simple as, hey, what's behind this door? So you don't have to put the pressure on yourself to create an entire world. You're like, okay. Well, it's a castle. There'd probably be a bedroom. It's a bedroom. What's in a bedroom? It's a bed. And you start small <laughs> and build yeah. from there. You don't have to go crazy. What's, uh, so say, with that dungeon, you, the, it went as prepared and then <laughs> went completely off the rails. Um, yeah. What parts of the dungeon did they do leading up to that point that you didn't have prepared? They, honestly, most of it I did have okay. prepared, which is why I think I was so, uh, prepared for them to keep doing what i thought they were gonna do so like <laughs> they were like they were like little offshoot rooms they triggered some traps um one of them i i didn't realize it would go off that way but i put a a, a, a what is it a room of mirrors okay. and i i just kind of had it in there because i thought it'd be interesting because i found a puzzle that linked to a room of mirrors that i thought that's easy enough that i would understand it so i feel comfortable <laughs> giving it to my players and um I thought maybe they would like wander in because like, Ooh, a, a room of mirrors. That's kind of interesting. And only one of them did. And it was the really vain character. It was Lissa's character. And I did not prepare for that. She was the only one to walk into the room. And so I had it so that the first person to walk into the room or the, if 
whoever walked into the room, which I assume would be the whole party, the door would close behind them. So she had to solve the puzzle all by herself. Mm-hmm. And she did it. I was so proud. And, like, I just loved watching her, like, interact and, like, do everything on her own and get, like, a little bit of help from the other players. But, like, the door was locked and there was no way they could get in because the door handle disappeared unless they wanted to fireball it open, which I also didn't put past them. Um, <laughs> but they didn't do that. Thankfully, they would have seriously injured themselves. But so they, they interacted with everything I had up to that point, maybe in like little ways that I didn't expect, but they still interacted with it. In fact, but they were doing it so well that I actually had to cut one of the rooms because we were going a little longer than I had anticipated in the room. Yeah. And I wa- really wanted to get them to the end. And sometimes you have to do that. And that's another part of improv as a GM. Sometimes you have a dungeon planned or a plot planned or a conversation planned. And you think it's running just a little bit too long. Like maybe you feel like the narrative is kind of getting bogged down or your players aren't as engaged or you as a GM maybe are even losing steam. That's also very valid. You just kind of have to cut stuff along the way. And that's also what I did, which is a big part of it. And there's no shame in that. Even if you spent like two hours on a room and you never get to see it, uh, you could copy and paste it somewhere else because they're never going to know. Exactly. Yeah. Recycling it. it. Yeah. Recycling Mm -hmm. your ideas is completely valid. And I would say it's necessary because you sometimes you, especially at the beginning, I think like the newer of a, of a GM you are, the more you're going to prep. And I don't think it's a bad thing to reuse an idea and don't be afraid too. like, so maybe that room is only applicable in a sex dungeon. So, it, but you're like, but I really want them to see it, or it's an important story point. Um, that doesn't mean it has to occur in that, 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 that doesn't change that that session is going too long and it doesn't fit. It's going to feel tacked on. So have somebody else bring it up some other point. Like, oh, you've been to that sex dungeon? Did you find this room? You know, if your players had fun at that point, they're not going to hate getting a little bit of an exposition dump from some NPC in the future about it. They're going to want to hear yeah. more about it um yeah you know bring it up in some sort of role play scenario <laughs> no <Yeah>. pun intended <laughs> um, <laughs> all puns <laughs> you know like like have somebody else who's visited there you know did you find this room or someone had a note that's talking about this room like oh do we need to go back that can be really fun and really it makes the world feel fleshed out the fact that they missed things makes the world seem bigger to them which can be mm-hmm. really really cool when you're trying to play an immersive game like D&D or whatever mm-hmm. TTRPG you're playing. Um, so don't be afraid to cut stuff and reuse it or throw it somewhere else in. One of the things I love doing um, that I feel way more comfortable now is I started throwing in cutscenes like we're in a fucking video game or a movie. Just stuff where like, this is what you didn't see, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's really fun, as long as you're not spoiling too many things because player knowledge versus character knowledge is hard to balance and sometimes makes it unfun. Uh, no one likes a CW drama when everybody knows a secret but the main character, including the audience, and you're just waiting for them to find it. And by the time they find it, you've known for three seasons, so you don't give a shit. Um, so you got to be careful with that. But every once in a while, it's just to be fun. This is what your character saw and what they didn't see. And that can be a really mm-hmm. magical moment. Just like there was a yeah. room in there um, where someone was being tortured and you never found it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that, it's never, never have it. So like you make your feel, players feel guilty. Just do it yeah. like as a way to flesh out the world. Like, I'm fine with making characters this, feel but... guilty. I don't need the players to feel guilty. The players should always be, whoa. This one's a good woe, sometimes mm-hmm. a bad woe, but they should always be woe. Um, what? but <laughs> whoa, they need to be Keanu Reeves at all times at my table. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I'm okay with making characters feel bad 
as long as the sure. players are like that's cool <laughs> so yeah you know, <laughs> like keep that in i'm mind. just starting to use cutscenes because i really liked how you use them and whenever i feel oh, another you. gm uh, whenever i see another gm do something i like i'm like well that's fine now <laughs> yeah, right I'm you gotta use that. it why not I've stolen your luck die, and I've stolen oh your my, cutscenes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like, uh, let me let me just say, like, so we're introducing a new luck thing in in our game this Friday, um, with the addition of our new character that's a little bit more mm -hmm. meta when it comes to mm -hmm. terms of the game. And uh, so, if you want to expand upon it, um, you'll have a, a few chances there, or you could be like, "This is too Hell much yeah. shit. I'm not doing any of that." <laughs> You well, yeah, it me. really depends. It totally depends on the mechanic or like, you know, it always comes down to whenever I'm a player or a GM, am I going to have fun doing this? 100%. And honestly, you know where the luck came from was moving away from D20 systems, but still have, like, ne like needing that magic of the D20. It's so fun. Yeah, it's like the D20 is a great dice to roll the numbers 1 through 20. It's a fun dice legitimately to hold in your hand and roll like it just feels nice. And so I remember we played Call of Cthulhu, and I think they have a luck mechanic, and that's, yeah. I think, the first place I saw it. And then I, or no, maybe I saw it in your game, and then I saw it again in Call of Cthulhu. And then you saw other people using it, it, right? It's like, well, yeah. it's, it's such an intuitive idea. You probably would have come across it yourself. It's so, exactly, yeah. So I would have come across it eventually whenever I expanded my TTRPG knowledge, <laughs> <laughs> which is, you know, very little. I'm chipping away at it. Yeah, you've now played very, two whole like, sessions of GURPS. I played two whole sessions of GURPS. I've played two sessions of Call of Cthulhu. I'm working on it. I'm slowly but surely working on it. <laughs> and, oh, another thing is that because I stole Luck Dice from you, one of my players, who's also my other GM, she stole Luck Dice from me. So, <gasps> really, you've had a ripple effect. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. And, and yeah. I think that it kind of speaks because, like, your GMing style is very similar to mine, where, like, you're almost creating, like, I a cinematic so, yeah. experience where it's, like, uh -huh. the story is more important than a lot of the rules, right? So 100% rule of cool rules. Exactly. And because we're both storytellers, we're both writers, I think that that mechanic mm -hmm. probably slides in there really well. I think sometimes where I get a little off that path is I think I play with a lot more people, maybe not necessarily at the table that you play. I think there's only one or two, but at a lot of the other tables I run a lot of more like war gamers, a lot of like meta gamers who are there for the sure. game aspect. Um, so some mechanics yeah. I come up with really wouldn't be applicable for you because it's like about the gaminess and you're like, well, I don't need that yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm only interested again, if that makes it more fun for either me or somebody at the table, which mm -hmm. I think I also got very lucky at the table that I GM and the other table that I play at in that it's very role play heavy and it's very story based heavy like we we do have some like not disagreements we do have some discussions at the tables about rules and how mm -hmm. to interpret rules and a lot of the times like it's so weird because sometimes it's the gm i have to like be the rules is written guy which like i'm not <laughs> usually and then i was at a table my in my other game where somebody was confused how their beast shape worked and we were having a conversation out of game because I have a druid in my game and then my other GM has a druid in their game. And they were using newer subclasses, I think, from Tasha's. And they didn't think that they still got to transform into animals. Yeah, you've they mentioned still, that. 
Yeah, and that it's so interesting. And I'm just like, no, you still can't. You could transform into any animal on this table. They're like, yeah, but I also have this other, like, I can do things with spores or I can do things with, like, a starry form. And I'm like, yeah, but you can also turn you into animals. You just do animals. both now. Like, you could do both. And they were just like, really? And I'm just like, yeah, it's rules is written. And I said that word and I'm like, oh. Wow. No. <laughs> Ow. Oh, no. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> I, I think that's like probably a, a really good thing to bring up when it comes to the improv. It's not always story, right? Sometimes it's about the moment and the mechanics. And uh, I think if, you, if you're if uh, a fan of actual plays, you watch that. I think you see that very differently interpreted at, at lots of different mm -hmm. tables where a player will ask, hey, can I do this? And it's not rules as written. And yeah. you see different GMs interpret it different ways. And what I do at my table specifically is – is that rule there for a reason that I like? Is that rule there for a reason that the table likes? I weigh those two things, and then I weigh, well, how cool is that mechanic that that player's come up with? Does it fit the situation? And then the final one is, am I going to be able to replicate this because I've now made this mechanic a thing? Is it yeah. going to screw me over? Am I going to have to do a lot of math in the future is really what like, it comes down <laughs> to because I've allowed this. How do I balance that against other things? Like, for, for an instance... Um, uh, one of our players in our Cod Pieces campaign, um, which is like Clueless and Icewind Dale kind of thing, um, she gets a hold of this item that gives her snow powers gifted to her by um, the big snowy owl. I can't think of her name. Oral. Oral, thank you. Um, and it's like a cloak that kind of makes her like Ice Batman, basically, is what we come up, <laughs> came up with. Uh, it, it, was, it didn't start there, but it became that. And um, she asked, because if, if she already had dark vision, does it grant her any kind of other vision? I said, no, you, you can already see most of the things. And she said, well, can I have snow vision? And she <laughs> described snow vision. <laughs> and she, she described what snow vision would be. It would be like, like how you lose, you know, vision and sight lines in snow, but she wouldn't. And I said, you know what? I think that sounds cool enough. It doesn't sound like it breaks the game too much. Um, which, uh, no matter what you do, whatever mechanic you think won't break the game, it will. Um, it so will. just accept that. Somehow, some way, your players will find a way to break your game. And sometimes that can be really fun. So I granted this yeah. snow vision, and man, did it break the game in so many other uh, ways. Yeah, Especially really in a did. snowy location. <laughs> it broke the game, and it also, didn't it, like, fast forward the plot that you wanted to put us on? Like, yeah, recently that happened. Recently? Yeah, so... <laughs> There, there's like a murder mystery where there's a wand that can cast any spell in the game. Basically, you roll a couple D100s and you select one from the list and that's what spell it casts when you do it. And it was used to kill um, a god. And you were the only person who had access to this wand. Um, and it's missing, so you're under investigation. And it's going to be a really big deal because until they find the wand and can figure out who casted it, you know, it's all in question. But she has snow vision. And so it's hidden <laughs> under the snow. And she just goes, it's right there, guys. <laughs> and I have guys, to allow I, I that. It would it. be unfair if I said that she can't see it through the snow because she could before. And I just forgot. I forgot that she had snow vision because that's not a thing. That's fair. I think we all did until she said. I think she forgot until she looked. She because she's all, she's the note taker too. So she's looking through her notes <laughs> and looking through her character sheet that she actually remembered to bring that time. She Maybe. how is she the note taker, but also the person who forgets her character sheet every game? Uh, we, we've had to remake oxymoron. her character a lot. 
That is true. Uh, yes, but then she brings to the table moments like these. And <laughs> your snow vision, and you, and, 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 and then it, like it came to a point of improv where this would be my next mm-hmm. piece of advice. So like we have the mechanical things that you have to weigh, and when it gets to a story beat like this, where it's specifically something I did not have prepared, and it kind of, it kind of. Um, you know, blows up the boat of everything else I have planned. Like, I literally had to change the whole plot in that one single moment. And what I would advise you to do is just take it one step at a time. You don't have to rewrite the campaign that day in that moment. You just need to figure out what comes next. And that's where I would say, when you panic, like, they went left, but you had everything prepared for right. You don't know what's left. Take it room by room. And that's what I had to do here. Okay, so there was going to be this big mystery. So instead of it being a big murder mystery about who did it, it still is... But this first mm-hmm. part was fast-forwarded, so now it becomes a quick uh, episode of Law & Order for a moment. Yeah. Is okay, you are under arrest. The characters know they didn't do it, or think they didn't do it. Um, <laughs> there's no audience. You are the audience, right? Um, right? So what comes next? Like, okay, well, they're arrested. And now we have the drama playing out of them being arrested and arraigned and having to go to a holding cell. And, like, that's where I pivot. Like, it just was the first thing that popped in my head. What what could I do next? Even though I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like, what I'm going to do the next session now because, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's not what this I have planned. skipped, like, 12 chapters. <laughs> exactly. But that's and that's really fun for me. I, I, I enjoy improving, but I would say, like, if you yeah. get into that panic moment, is just take it one room at a time because, yeah. you know, everything else can be duct tape and bubble gum until then. Um, what about you, Shar? Give it, give us some moments. What would you do? What, what's the first panicking thing when they go left instead of right? What's your first step to figure it out? Well, I try to ascertain what they are specifically looking for mm-hmm. in the plot or what they are trying to accomplish. And sometimes I will just legitimately ask them. It's just like, okay, so you got all these clues telling you to go left. But you're going right. Why is that? <laughs> like, I'll ask them. I, I, I won't say the clue part. Like, <laughs> you my, say, hey, mind, why do you want to fuck this up? Okay? Hey, like, why <laughs> do you want to ruin my shit? Um, <laughs> uh, and then I'll try to figure out what they what their reasons are. And they usually always have them. And it's almost like a test that I give them, like a pop quiz, but they don't know they're being quizzed or tested. <laughs> Then I'll be like, okay, and I might just, like, throw an encounter at them and just, like, veer them back on track. But if they have a legitimate reason, like, no, we got these clues, and my character thinks that this is going, this is exactly what's happening, and this is what they're going to do in order to rectify the situation, in order to solve the situation. And then I'm like, okay. And then I pretend like I have to go to the bathroom, and (laughs) I take, like, five minutes to be like, okay. What can I move around in my mind? What can I do? What can I say? How can I fix this? Yeah. <laughs> or sometimes <laughs> sometimes the, the the fates align and it's fine. I could just move stuff around. And yeah, now I think pivot. I'm way more prepared for that. And I usually now I always have like some sort of encounter planned for like where they are in the area just in case. And I an encounter is like my last like ditch effort if i can't think of anything to improv or like when in doubt roll initiative kind of thing when in doubt roll initiative and i my players have done this wonderful thing where i've told them listen this is my world that i've created it doesn't exist anywhere else i want you to feel like it's your world too so Mm -hmm. anything that you make up and i roll with is canon and so they've really taken that 
and gone with it. And they've also taken it so far in that they're now in the southern part of the continent and they have given me three different types of encounters that they're like, oh, I've never been to the south before. I hear there are giant worms there. And I'm like, okay, giant worms. Got it. <laughs> or, oh, they're like big, like rats of unusual size. All right, rats of unusual size. <laughs> and so I have this list of stuff for them to run into that they created. So even so it doesn't feel like I'm just throwing something random at them. It feels like, oh, my God, I mentioned that like months ago. And now here it is. My character, whatever rumor my character heard is true. And I'm like, absolutely, it's true. Because well, okay. I told you it could be. We got to yeah. rewind a little bit because you gave three really good pieces of advice there. So you got to break it down a little bit. Okay. <laughs> like, so one, don't be afraid to stall and and ask yeah. them what they want from the encounter, right? Like, what could I do? Well, ask the players because they'll tell you what they're enjoying, right? And I think checking in is a really good piece of it. Yeah. Don't be afraid to stall or even just be honest and say, hey, okay, I wasn't ready for you to go left, but I want you to go left. Give me a few minutes. And yeah. I and I will fix this. And then another piece, but actually, so four, uh, it was they don't know that you plan for them to go right. Uh, so yeah. you can just say, okay, now that's on the left. It's a little bit harder. Yeah, than using you could literally move maps, everything but... you had on the right to the left. Exactly. Like they don't know. It's a lot like uh, I don't if you ever did like high school theater. Not so much when you get to real theater, but a lot of it is, hey, the audience doesn't know that you made a mistake. So if you yes. don't act like you made a mistake, they just think it's part of the show. A hundred percent. So, like, it's, it's okay. Like, they don't know where the duct tape is. So, if you need to move a piece of the set over there, <laughs> like, they don't know. So, I think that's really good. And then another piece that you mentioned is letting them help you create the story. Because then <laughs> the improv doesn't just fall on you. Um, mm -hmm. I do that a lot. Like, you helped me come up with uh, a cult in my world. Or a coven, as you call it. Um, <laughs> it's not a cult. What do you mean? <laughs> and, like, I had, like, the trappings. You said, I kind of want to be in this, like like witches coven but like darker type thing and i said well i have something like that help me build the rest of it and yeah. that helped you took a lot of the heavy lifting and then when we went there i just leaned on you okay what happened in your years there and you throw out random things like okay well that's canon now that happened <laughs> um and the other thing i do so sometimes a player will improv something just building off that they'll say oh i've heard there's giant sandworms there but specifically, if there were giant sandworms there, it would kind of derail and, like, throw off that part of my world that I've already world built. And I have good stuff that I think they'll like more. But I don't tell you that, no, there's no there's no giant sandworms there. I let that belief be canon. Yeah. And then surprise them with other things. And I think that's something that um, can go a long way at your table, too, is mm -hmm. um, it's okay if your characters believe something that's inaccurate. Because that's the mm -hmm. real world. You know, people have beliefs, and you're like, well, that's not a real thing. But they don't oh, know yeah, that. Oh, yeah. My, my one of my characters in my campaign, she is very she plays a very sheltered character. And one of the big things in my world is that um, in the last 200 years, there are these three true gods who overthrew these three old gods. Because the old gods betrayed their people, and these three new gods are their saviors. Because they saved them from the old gods basically not answering their prayers and being giant dicks. Um, but this one character really, really, really wanted, like, dancing and, like, all of these things that aligned with one of the old gods to be part of her backstory. Mm -hmm. And so she was raised in this area where they worship the old gods, but it got so extreme that they – and they don't really go to that – really any civilization in the world so they keep telling their people oh if you tell anybody that you worship the old gods you're gonna either get killed or arrested which is flat out untrue and i told the i told the player like this is untrue she's like oh 
I know it's untrue, but I want my character to believe it because then, you know, she has this really like interesting like dissonance with the world and yeah. i loved that that's such I a cool that. moment especially like um because some people like they enjoy the meta knowledge or the character knowledge i'm good at separating but i prefer when i play at a table if, if my character is wrong i i just let the gm not tell me like i'd rather not know because i can play it a little bit i'm not so good an actor so like i can play it yeah. a little bit better for the other people at the table and myself if i'm unaware that's why like a lot of my surprises as you saw last week when i surprised you with the new player that was joining our party um yeah. are very diegetic they're, they're pretty um like factual when it comes into play yeah. because i'm not a good actor <laughs> so <laughs> you can't keep secrets <laughs> I, well, I mean i could but it wouldn't be very good i wouldn't play it very well um, yeah. But if you have players that are, that's a really good way to discuss. Like, hey, are, like, does your character believe this? Do you want to know if that's true or not? So because I'm not so good an actor and I'm not always great at reading, sometimes I, I just ask, like, hey, do you want to know the truth? That's something we did a lot um, in our character building here was how much do we want to play at the table? How much do you want to know going forward? How much do you want to know about your character's beliefs versus what's real in the world? And to all of your credit, you're like, I want to know some so I can build my story, but then just let me do my own thing, and then we can figure out if I'm wrong or whatever in the future. And that's been really cool. So now I have a very similar setup in my world where you all come from different religious backgrounds, and you all have very different beliefs. And whether you're right or not, no one knows, which, again, very similar to the real world when it comes to religions. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't know what happens when you die. You've never been there. <laughs> never been there. <laughs> uh, so, like, that, it's been really fun to, to play that at the table. So that level of improv is really cool. I know what's mm -hmm. factual, which allows me to then change it. And that would probably lead to our next mm -hmm. part is don't be afraid to fucking change it. No one knows what you have planned. Exactly. So how often do you, do you like, so I know you said you leave some parts blank specifically for the characters to, to, to bring in their own ideas, like worms and whatnot. How much do you just ask? Because, oh, maybe not that idea is better than mine. They're equal, but the players like that idea more. So you go, okay, you know what? That's what's happening. They don't know that you changed it. They don't know that they're right. But behind the scenes, you said, you know what? They're having more fun with this idea. This is what's happening now. Nothing super specific yet okay. in that vine, but um, it's mostly, like, the encounter stuff. Like, I didn't have anything planned, but they planned things for me, which is very nice. <laughs> but they have – my players have – because, again, I gave them access implicitly to this sandbox world that I made. Um, one of my characters is – who is played by the lovely Lissa of this podcast – she is basically a character out of our Cod Pieces game, where she is a spoiled rich brat who is a social <laughs> climber and is on a gap year at university, even though she was kicked out. Oh my goodness, that is straight out of our game. I know, exactly. So I'm just like, did, how much were you listening when I was telling you about the game? <laughs> um, and... So she came up with a lot of lore for my world that's just canon now, which is like there are tabloids, that there are sending crystals, very similar to the Cod Pieces game. There is some version of social media, but not like a live streaming one, just, just like um, you get 
uh, daily bulletin updates, but also I made the characters so poor that they can't get those yet, so I have to figure out what that means. But the biggest thing that she contributed is, for some reason in-game, she mentioned, like, hey, what's... Because you know a lot of people on TikTok, and it's kind of a meme now, to say, like, oh my god, don't hurt my feelings, like, I'm a Cancer, or I'm a Leo, or I'm an Aries, which I know you hate, so you'll love this. So she was just like, what's the equivalent of a horoscope in your world? And I just (laughs) stared at her, and I'm just like, I don't have one, but I have to make one now? No, there's gotta be one now. There's gotta be one now, and I'm just, I also was very fascinated by this. Because in my world, the sun and the sky do are are hidden away by a permanent magical overcast. So you so there doesn't are really no work. Stars. Yeah, there's no stars. You can't just because I would I would just go exactly. the same thing. They're different constellations, but you, there's you know well, it's the constellations. I had to come but... up with something completely different. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is the clouds. Like what would somebody ascribe personality traits to that doesn't actually you know have anything to do with personality traits but could be interpreted as like an omen or something and then i came up with like it just kind of came to me one day like a day after the session i'm like oh i don't know if i'm actually gonna build this i just might come up with a random word and lissa will run with it and it'll be fine and i don't think she actually expects me to build the whole system and then one day i was just sitting in my living room and it just came to me a whole system for horoscopes and it's about the weather and how the weather on the day you were born oh, is like I a like prophecy that. for your whole life. And I'm like, I fucking love that. And I just spent four hours concretely, no breaks, coming up with an entire system and like the names and like pe- famous people who had the horoscope. Oh, I love that. And like descriptions and just everything and it was just one of those moments where something clicked and i'm just like well this is an integral part of my world now that i never even knew i could make or that i knew existed and now my players insist on me giving them they're not called horoscopes they're called aeroscopes because of the air <laughs> and uh they now insist at the top of every set at the top of every session that i give them what their horoscope is oh i love that that's and so they, cool. they picked which one they were and i'm like this is the best thing that i've ever done <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's really really good I, I i don't know how to steal that but i want to like that's just that's got to be something I in can... our cod pieces game I can give you my word document. And Perfect. You could, you could full, you could full throttle steal it if you really want. You, okay, to. Well, you like, know what? I, I, we'll let you have control of it. You bring it up at the next session of Cod Pieces uh, next week. So, is it next Saturday Hell we're playing? Yeah. So, uh, yes, next Saturday is the first. Yeah. So you bring it up. You bring the document and you you read up instead of us doing the tarot card thing. We'll, we'll read oh. our aeroscopes. <laughs> Well, I'd have to have everybody pick like which one they are, because obviously it changes. Of course, of course. I'll help you. I'll I'll improv and be the reader of the the aeroscopes, but you can tell everybody what their sign would be. Sure. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, that's so exciting. But that's that's born out of improv, and like that that, Uh that leads us probably to another point: is like don't be too afraid to let them come up with those ideas or to ask because they're going to have some good ideas. I think to my point, what I was asking before, um, what happens a lot with me is asking them like what they, what they want to create 
and and comparing it to what I have because I have different storytelling objectives and um I don't know what a better word would be than objectives but like um ideas of what I think is a good story right like where where my ideas fall in and what I think is a good idea is subjective and it's different than what yours are um it's all opinion based so what I started doing when I started, in my opinion, becoming a better GM is going, okay, I think it would be a better story if they did this. That's not seemingly what they want. So I'm going to lean in, maybe not fully into what they want. Cause I don't want to be miserable. I want to have fun too, but how do I pivot a little bit more with my improv to allow their ideas to shine a little bit more because mm-hmm. someone like you or John, um, who have just a little bit more of a specific genre in mind when you play games or when you know when you seek out media you're a little bit more discerning about what you want so a lot of the tropes that you lean into are not ones that i necessarily like or aren't as varied as the things that i like so i go okay well let's lean into those tropes because that's gonna make them have more fun so i often pull you okay okay, what kind of stories are you like it helps that we podcast together and we're friends some people don't spend as much time so don't be afraid to kind of ask them hey what kind of things do you like what are the stories Mm -hmm. that when we're not playing at the table that you see yourself wanting to be immersed in you know are you reading fantasy novels are they dark fantasy novels are they romance fantasy novels do we need a friends to lover or uh, um Mm -hmm. enemies to lovers type story (laughs) And it sounds silly, but, like, if you ask them and they go, oh, I love those, if you put one of those things in your game, they're going to have a lot of fucking fun. So, totally. like, leaning into what they find fun in the improv is ten- tends to be where I go. Because if I have this serious story set up, and it's going to be a fun pivot and a really cool twist, and I'm really excited about it, but then everybody else specifically is, like, I want that type of story, but right now I've been watching Succession, and I kind of want to like overthrow a a kingdom and kind of slowly take over and and fight with the people in there i'm like okay i can improv and kind of pivot to fit those sensibilities and that's the word i was looking Mm -hmm. for before sensibilities just a little bit more so like pulling what they're really into um Mm -hmm. would be what i would do in those situations i have another question for you char so bringing up the idea that like people like different things at your table, you all come together because you all like D and D, but outside of it, you have different things. At my mm-hmm. table, you and John are a little bit more, like I said, discerning with what media you imbibe. I imbibe stories; that's my favorite thing. So tons of different mediums, tons of different genres. But you guys are kind of more specific. You're like, no, no, no. I like musical theater. I like these mm-hmm. fantasy novels somewhat end of list right like you you know you're pretty discerning with what you take in what do you do when you have different story sensibilities and interests than your players when it comes to improv in mind well most of the time because we share a love of D and a mm-hmm. love of like the base genre of D, which specifically for D fifth edition which is what we play it's high fantasy so we have that common ground sure. So everything is kind of grounded in that. But I also have a player who's super, like, a horror aficionado. I do not do horror. Full stop. <laughs> end, not... end of sentence. <laughs> end of sentence. I don't find any enjoyment in it, but I'm happy for people that makes very happy. Um, so I do sometimes, like, I, want, I try to throw things at that player 
that I know that she will enjoy, but I also have a worksheet for people for lines and veils, so I know what horror elements to put in. Sure. So I will occasionally throw in, like, a zombie. You specifically throw throw in in... what they put that they can't handle, right? Because they're really scared. (laughs) No! (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that GM, uh, thank fucking God, because they do exist. We we wouldn't be friends if you were. (laughs) That's so true. I would get kicked out so fast. Uh, um, but I throw in stuff that I know that I'm not very good at. So I'm not good at horror. I'm not good at, <laughs> like, zombies, which is her favorite thing. The zombie genre, she's, like, the utmost expert at it. But I do my best to at least imbibe some sort of dark, fantastical, horror-adjacent, like, plot line or... Mm-hmm giving her like there's something darker going on here and that's the kind of stuff we kind of almost meet in the middle in a way because like i wish i was somebody who was a horror person i know a lot of people who love it but i just can't do a lot of that stuff and i know that and i feel bad so i try to like (laughs) meet that player halfway like okay i can do cults i can do blood sacrifices i can do um anything that you're you can see in like a, a Game of Thrones story, um, or maybe even a little bit darker fantasy than that. Um, gothic horror, I can usually do. I, I love Edgar Allan Poe, so. So you I, can hit those those like more broader, almost can, uh, more yeah. whimsical aspects of horror. Definitely, I could hit whimsical. I can hit uh, thematic, but in terms of, I can't do like body horror or any mm, stuff sure. like that. It just makes me nauseous to even think about it. And that's completely uh, fair. But. But I, I just try to meet those players halfway. But I think, I again, I just got really lucky at my table that we all geek out about a lot of the same things. Right. And also, I'm super lucky in that a lot of people that I GM are really good friends of mine. And so when they do want something, I feel comfortable checking in with them. They feel comfortable checking in with me. And um, I try to make time, like once in a blue moon, to check in with them and say, which is also a GM tip for those who maybe need this check in with your players and see how they're doing not necessarily because you think the campaign is going like well or not well but just in general just just be like where's where's your character at how are you feeling about these things and also what else do you want to see going forward where do you see your character going and having those kind of open discussions and having an open communication channel that even if you don't talk about everything all the time you still have that so that maybe um, if they do think of something they are really excited about for their character or maybe they, like you were saying, saw a TV show like Succession recently and just really want that kind of interpersonal social climbing aspect, they are comfortable to tell you that. And creating that safe space and that open communication is just so integral and important because not everybody has the luxury of playing with their friends. which. Right sucks that sucks hardcore i have i'm incredibly privileged in that all of my groups are people that i'm very good friends with but some people just don't have that so if you don't open communication and setting that is important no matter what level of comfort you are with your players and your gm and that kind of bridges the gap with those genre things that you were 100 percent and like in like mm-hmm. like you said like kind of uh, meeting them where they are like find out what their interests are 
Um, mm-hmm. the, the, the term in marketing often is um, meet them where they are, and that helps you find where that niche audience is and you know deliver things to them. But I'm going to mm-hmm. give you another little piece of improv that I use a lot, like a little tool in my belt, is meet them where they are, but exploit where they aren't. Um, and this goes exactly to where, like we were talking about with Char with like, she has very discerning interests that don't always align with mine because mine are so wide, right? Like I like a lot of weird shit and like a lot of different mediums, you know? And one of the great things about that is when I am lost in a plot or need to improv something, I can pull from stuff that I know Char's never heard of. Char doesn't read a lot of comic books. If I need a plot real quick, I can go, well... This one issue of X-Men that I guarantee Char's never heard of. She doesn't know that I stole this plot. You know, like, and and it sounds bad, but, like, you don't have to be wholly unique every single time. Don't be afraid to copy something as long Mm -hmm. as it's fun for the players and you're not publishing it. (laughs) Uh Oh, you want to know what's the best when you you forget that your players know a piece of media oh, that you're referencing. I know. And then I did that again because, again, I have my own world, which is great for improv, but if you're new to improv, it can be very daunting. Mm-hmm. But it's great because I created this whole town where um, it had different layers, like floating layers, and there's a low town, which is on the ground, a midtown, and a high town. And I specifically stole that from Dragon Age 2 because they have high town and low <laughs> yeah, town. Right? And, and then one of my players is I shit you not – the biggest Dragon Age fan, and I just flat out, I'm like, she might get this, but maybe not. And then, like, she gave me this look when I was like, low town, midtown, and high town. She just gave me this look, like, I don't know what you're fucking doing, you lazy ass bitch. That's fair. I totally did steal that, but uh, you can't do anything about it. Exactly. Like, I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna play this. And like having that talk with players too. Like we've we've talked about this before. Shar knows that sometimes I do this, and I think that sometimes it helps because, in my opinion, there are stories where I'm like, oh, I think people would be better if they knew this story. But Shar's never gonna read that fucking comic book. She doesn't read a lot of comic books. I'm never gonna convince her that she should, and she probably shouldn't. That's not a medium that she <laughs> fucking loves, you know. So one way that I slip those stories, I'm like, I'll put it in the game. And now Shar's like, you know what? That story is good. And I'm like, huh, should have read that issue, but I'm glad that you <laughs> enjoyed that story here, you know. Um, bad examples. I don't think I've ever done a comic book in the game, but you know. Uh, it's there if you ever need to. 100%. 100%. And I have done plots. You know, you've never seen that episode of Law & Order that I used for that game that I needed to improv. Um, I've never I seen an episode of Law & Order full stop. Like, I don't watch, <laughs> I don't watch like, 20-plus season shows. I stopped watching Grey's Anatomy, like, a couple of years ago, and it's the best decision I ever made. If you've <laughs> seen one episode of Law & Order, you've seen every episode of Law & Order, I've, so... Uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> but exactly. But you get you get the point there. So, yeah. um, meet them where they are, exploit where they aren't, um, and finally, on that, that note... Um, with all of this stuff, it's always going to be different at your table. I know we bring up that spiel all the time, but when it comes to the improv, the final thing that I will say is give an advice, even if you can't get your players to do it, do it on your own, is look into improv classes. If you can't do improv classes, there's a really good manual, um, that the Upright Citizens Brigade, um, put out a few years. Uh, it's just the comedy improvis- improvisation manual. Um, you can pick it up. Matt Besser, Ian Roberts, and Matt Walsh uh, wrote it, but with a lot of input just from the Upright Citizens Brigade. If you like comedy at all, you've probably heard people reference it in like training at UCB. That's the UCB. Um, and you can get a lot of tips and a lot of little games that you can play to help with your improv and coming up with stories on you know on cue basically. 
Um, and it really helps get your mind into that. And one thing that we didn't bring up here, we'll have to do another episode like this, specifically for me because I'm bad at acting. I can't do a lot of voices. But I've learned other little character ticks to separate people um, yeah. so they know that I'm a different person talking. As well mm -hmm. as just like coming up with dialogue is sometimes some of the harder parts for people when you're in character and need to improv is what would that person say? Um, so it really helped me with that. And when in doubt, just copy somebody that those people don't know. A lot of my characters are from when I worked at a, a party store, which is a liquor store and a gas station together, which is a great <laughs> idea. What could go wrong? Um, so it's like, well, you don't remember Frog, which is, uh, shout out to Frog, if you've ever listened to this, and his brother Boots, they smoke a lot of menthols, um, and that's why we called him Frog, and he would come in, and he's a character, um, in almost every one of my games, because he's such a fascinating human being to hear talk, <laughs> um, and so a lot of my characters are Frog, Shardy doesn't know who the fuck Frog is, yeah. um, and so when it pops up, you're like, oh, that's an interesting character, I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> you're, you're goddamn right, it is. <laughs> Um, anything else you want to add in, Char, before we, um, end this one with some BS? Um, we got to, we got to do some BS before we go. Right? Yeah, we do got to do some BS. I think if you want to, I mean, you should always have improv in your DM's belt. And there are just naturally some people who are going to fit into that better. If you've done any theater, whether it's in high school or beyond community, whatever, you probably have a lot of those tools and you don't even know it. But I would argue if you are a, a well-read or big media person who's consumed a lot of media in your life, which I think if you are a Gen X and beyond, that's a <laughs> you lot. Probably. <laughs> you have like this litany of stuff that you can steal from if you need a quick character or that you can um, reference. And you, you're not you're not tied down by the constraints of published media especially if you're at your table you can plagiarize the shit out of anyone anywhere at any time and with that in mind anybody can improv and it does take practice and it is intimidating and especially if you're a new gm um you want everything to go perfectly because i mean i look at my old gm notes and they are, are perfectly outlined to the story beat and now I use kind of the same formula, but I leave a lot more holes. And I also don't spend as much time prepping because I know that my players will help me fill in the gaps. And I also don't want to be too married to what I have because improv is just fun when you get the hang of it. And it's not just on you as the GM. It's also on your players. You have to meet each other. And sometimes that can even be the hardest barrier to overcome. But once you do and you keep practicing and you keep using it it's going to be an essential tool in your tool belt but just don't be afraid to just try it out and then you will kind of just see the magic of pulling shit out of your ass 100 kind of great and that's, that's what I, I my prep is like i usually put down bullet points like th these are things that need to happen because like the world is moving so i have like this is going to happen no matter what this shooting sure. star is going to go across the sky whether you investigate it that's up to you but it's going to happen and then, yeah. like, stuff there, I'm like, I think this could be cool if it happens. But th there's just bullet points. So what happens in between them, well, that's up to us to figure out. And that's it, totally it, up to you. And my advice to, to go off that chart when you're going into it, if you want to get better at it, is leave those blanks on purpose and just mm -hmm. fill it in with whatever you can figure out that day. And as the sessions go, put in a few more blanks, you know, and you'll mm -hmm. slowly get better at it. Or worse, I don't know. I'm not at your table. But uh, as long as everyone's <laughs> having fun, who cares, right? Yeah, exactly. And so you could use as much or as little improv as you want, because like while we may have really 
um, improv-heavy tables. Maybe some people don't, and that's also okay. I want to play at one that doesn't have that. I do too. I'm kind of fascinated, but I feel like I would do one session and then. I okay, so I kind of remember I did play one that was not improv-heavy. It was specifically um, this Pathfinder. um, It was like one of the official ones on their forums. Yeah. And it was not fun. (laughs) (laughs) so maybe i don't want to play at that table i guess (laughs) maybe not i think everybody can benefit from improv even if you are doing more battle-based gameplay because like hey maybe you improv an ability that just that thing didn't have before especially if you have a player at your table who really knows the mechanics of everything but you're the gm and you can make up anything you want because you're god so (laughs) it can work in whatever way you want it to but who knows? Maybe there's somebody out here who's like, I don't like improv, which is also fair. It's this this episode probably isn't for you. Exactly. But... 100%. Like, listen, if you don't like it and your table doesn't like it, you don't need to use any of these things. This is what not to do. Take the advice that way. Advice yeah. is good no matter what, because if you can recognize it as bad advice for you, that's just a manual on what not to do, and that can be very helpful. Exactly. Yeah, just don't do anything what we that we say, and then you'll have a great time. <laughs> I mean, that that might be more applicable than you think to many of you. <laughs> <laughs> don't listen. Why are you listening? Stop. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, to wrap this up, Sade, give me some BS. Uh-huh. What are you doing away from the gaming table? I um, am playing Sunhaven that I got Ooh. from the Steam summer sale and it is very cute and very good but very laggy and glitchy still because it just came out of beta (laughs) so um but it's still fun enough that Lissa and i now have a farm together and we are exploring and we call it the our being fairy time because you can create (laughs) basically i mean all the races are different and have different uh perks now Sure. But we just, a lot of them, you can have wings, and then you look like a fairy, no matter what. So whenever we want to escape reality and become fairies, we play that game, and it has been a delight. Heck yeah. That's kind of awesome. Um, I've been reading a lot of comic books uh, from Black Mask. Um, it's a smaller publishing company. People probably know Image and things like that, but check out Black Mask Comics. There's so many fucking good ones. Um trying to think of something to recommend first up four kids walk into a bank is one of my favorite comics <laughs> of all time it's only like five issues it's like one trade paperback if you were to go get it and it's exactly what it sounds like it's this almost whimsical heist like think uh, a wes anderson film if there was a bunch of kids trying to rob a bank um I, and i don't want to give you any more details that's all you need to know going in if that sounds awesome to you it is so you can go check out four kids walking to a bank. Um, but also, this came up because I was hanging out with some other comic book nerds. Like, people that read uh, the same amount of comics, if not more than me. But they don't check out a lot of publishers outside of, like, Marvel and DC and Image Comics. And so they were kind of asking me, like, what other stuff do I read? And I, I read a lot of shit. Um, so, uh, Black Mask Studios is one that I, I wanted to start recommending a little bit more because they are really good and they're a lot shorter. So the buy-in, you don't have to read 50 issues, you know, um, you can buy usually an entire run for 15 bucks. Uh, so I highly recommend their stuff. There's some really good things there. Um, there's a world they have in there, uh, called Young Terrorists. Um, and there's uh, another book in that universe called Billionaire Killers. And, like, picture a world where uh, it's, like, the natural conclusion of us where we said, oh, uh, companies in America are people, according to the the Constitution, which is Uh, dumb. Yes. 
Um, but it's like, well, if you fast forward that, well, then they should be able to vote. And if they should be able to vote, well, then they should be able to run for office. So you have, oh, like, ExxonMobil being able to be president of the United States. And so you have a group of people that are like, well, we got to kill these billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> Eat the rich. Exactly. So those are, those are two books that I've been reading just to kind of have fun reading something that's not um, one of the big three. And Black Mask is always delivering in quality. So go check out some of those comics. It's very fun. And uh, go take an improv class. Uh, it's really scary at first, especially if you're antisocial and are not funny <laughs> like me. And it can be really fun, even though it's daunting. And then you can uh, get the book, come home, and then do it with friends so you don't have to go back to those classes because you're afraid of people. That's good advice. People are the worst. <laughs> it's real bad advice. But <laughs> go try it. They're fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, there's another book from Black Mask. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. It's just called, Oh Shit, It's Kim and Kim. Um... <laughs> <laughs> like, title game going strong on these dude they're so good i've pitched a couple stories there and i'm like i don't know if you want to buy this my store like the title is not nearly as good as <laughs> yeah, as anything that that you've published so um <laughs> there's that um anyways there anything we want to add before we bust out of here um don't be a dick <laughs> and that's pretty good advice um, i think it's pretty good advice for D and beyond you know just in general uh don't be general a dick advice. um general advice uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh that we saluted if you don't know because we're fucking nerds mm -hmm. i also i do want to say i think eventually they stopped calling it oh shit it's kim and kim other than in like the the volume wise i think the first volume they call it that and then like if you were to buy that elsewhere it's just called kim and kim so if you can't find ocean it's kim and kim just look up kim and kim um, <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> just so you know uh but anyways um you can find us on the interwebs campykillcreations.com you can find us um across all of your different uh podcast platforms networks wherever you get your podcast will be there um you can find all sorts of campy kill creations stuff on the website like i said but also if you want to support us extra head over to patreon.com slash campy kill creations drop a buck or two keeps the lights on and the mics going lets us do fun stuff like this you also get early content you get bonus content some really exciting stuff over there like Sharday's lore rewrites and the extra episodes from Slovenly Trolls called Slovenly Trolls After Dark, right? Is that the name of it? Yeah. I know the names. That is the name. Yeah, we, you know names. You're good at names. Yeah, I hear them talk about stuff that's not just uh, whatever they covered that uh, that week. And along those lines, Shar's rewrites are taking bits of problematic D&D &D lore and just making them just a little, just a scotch better. Um, yeah, just a little bit, and by a little bit, I mean way more awesome, and you got some artwork from me, and the designs from Lissa, it's a good time, go check that out. What did we do last month? Last month, we did LOL, Lol. I believe. Did you announce what we were doing this month yet? Yes, this month we are doing Nymphs. Nymphs, and that'll get published as soon as Nymphs. I get uh, the artwork done. <laughs> I'm working on <laughs> oh, it. God, Terry. I, was, I started a little bit late this month, um, so... That'll come out when it is ready this month. Uh, <laughs> be patient. Be patient. I'll get We're there. 
Uh, we also have a poll out there. Uh, poll's a strong word. Basically, I was like, hey, what more do you want to see from Campy Kill Creations? So you can check that out on our Patreon as well if you subscribe mm-hmm. it, at like a buck or lower. Uh, or a buck, a buck or higher. I don't a know. Buck like, or lower. If you want to toss us 25 cents, you get to vote. Um, just like, <laughs> what do you want to see from us in the future? Um, you can find us at Cave Tools Pod or a million other uh, different social media handles, but that's the one specifically for this show. Chardonnay, where can the people find you online? They can find me as the best host of the Slovenly Trolls podcast, um, where I am a host as well as a guest, apparently. You're the best guest. I will say that. You're the best guest. Oh, well, thank you so much. Oh, wow. No, no, Megan probably was, so. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I don't think I could top Megan, No, probably not. So, you're second best. Nobody could top Megan. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Two out of two is great. Um, <laughs> uh, and I run the Slovenly Trolls Twitter at Slovenly Trolls. Perfect. If you want to get a hold of her there or you want to send us an email, creations at gmail.com. We'll answer and uh, eventually. Um, we also have a submission <laughs> form at the website. So if you can't find that email or you don't know how emails work, you head on over to our contact us form and contact us um i'm at resident Seville on twitter and you can find all of my comic books if you don't know i write comic books and shit at ts luther uh that's my pen name you can find me all over the internet and if you're talking to somebody and they go i don't know who that is tell them okay tell them <laughs> who i am even if there it has nothing to do with comic books just just mention me okay get my name out there it's important okay <laughs> this is a public marketing. service announcement god why aren't you talking about me i have a better question <laughs> Everybody should always be talking. That's yeah. right. God. Ah. Well, anyways, people, you have some things to work on, obviously. Uh, <laughs> we're the cave trolls and we're out. I took a hard pivot on them there. Once again, we had that special time where we get to thank our Patreon producers. Right now, we have Kim Winson, Jeremy Raymond, the Lorax, and Trellbot. Thank you so much for helping us keep the lights on, the mics rolling. You keep chicken sandwiches in our pockets, and you keep us having fun on the mic. Thank you so much.